Banana Bunch, you know what time it is. It's time for another episode of the Jungle Gyms Podcast. I'm your host, Mark. Welcome to the show. How are we feeling this week? Well, I can't hear you, but you can email me at podcast at junglegyms.com if you really, really, really want to tell me. I promise I will at least feign interest uh, while reading it. Now, it's a wild week here. We've had a lot of fun. Um, you know what? Before I go too far into this, last night was Food Fight 513. So if you aren't all familiar with that, uh, it was something that was invented a while ago here in town. The way I describe it to people is it's kind of like a loose version of Chopped, right? And so friends of the show, Christian uh, Christian Gill, you know, you've seen him a bunch. And then actually last year, uh, they came on, he and his uh, cohort on this, Kayla Robinson, Robinson excuse me. Uh, I want to m- make sure I'm not adding the extra N there. Um, but they came in and they, we did a whole bit together. Anyway, last year I didn't get to go because I got COVID like the week of the show. So that was not fun for me. But this time I finally get to go. It was really cool. So again, contestants go and they are effectively put into a chopped type scenario where they are given mystery items and told to cook something, right? And what's cool is that when you go to this event, you can choose to put your name in the hat and you'll be drawn at random and you don't know which it is, right? Because you can either get drawn to judge or you can get drawn to cook. But it's the same bucket. So there's, you know, there's a lot of people like, I just want to judge. Well, too bad. But the event was a lot of fun. Jungle Gyms got involved this year. So I'm going to just throw up a couple quick clips real fast. I didn't get a ton of, like, incredible footage because it was crazy. But I just want to give you a feel for it. Wow! But what an amazing time. It was really cool and a lot of fun for me to go out there um, and just really, you know, I like being involved in any creative scene like this. And it was really cool. There's no drama, no BS. Everybody was really happy and supportive of each other. It's cool. It's very refreshing to see that. I really hope more scenes can take that away. So I wanted to first off congratulate Christian and Kayla on their excellent hard work putting this together. It was incredible. Um, and everybody that helped put them on. There are so many familiar faces. I, I never feel more like a celebrity than when I go to a restaurant or an event like this where all the people are like, damn, we know that guy. It's crazy. So anyway, thanks to everybody who was there. Thanks to everybody that supported it. I had an awesome time. So so many lovely people and uh you know i'm just telling everybody now well christian i'll just say it to you right here i'm hoping next time we can do one of these at like you know the jungle that'd be fun but cool event check it out next year glad that we got to be a part of it okay um now this this is the end of january and i got a couple things so i talked to you all last week about some deals we're running for the super bowl well we started early so we have a crazy deal this week come and get this as soon as possible just ran to my buddy pat from uh that's stocking for pepsi here it's been nuts they're here all the time replenishing items because we're doing a deal right now that if you buy any two 12 packs from either pepsi brands or seven up so it's like pepsi mountain dew seven up squirt 
A&W root beer and the rest of the A&W line. Uh, um, so many options. I, guess I, I think I saw Big Red Zero Sugar. That hit a nostalgia note I didn't know existed. But we're doing, if you buy two 12-packs of any of those brands, you get three 12-packs free. So that's kind of a crazy idea. Literally right here, I'm pointing at a cart that I filled up with my own purchases because I wanted to make sure I got the flavors I wanted. So, you know, code red zero sugar, that rules. But it's like for the whole lineup. So now is your chance. I would definitely recommend coming in and buying that sooner than later because I know eventually the supplies will dwindle. And then I'm sure competition will follow suit and try to try to do a clever ad like we did. So shout out to Lou. You know, we got a guy. Lou's that guy. Thanks, Lou. Uh, and going on that, you know, I talked about the zero sugar thing. So my guest this week is actually, this is actually a really interesting one. I've been put on for a while and I've been kind of trying to figure out a great time to air this. I think now is the great time. Um, well, and we'll get to what Dr. Paul's doing, but his whole thing is about, uh, I'm reading off the cover if you're watching along. I'll be like, what? Mark has notes. Uh, but he's doing this whole thing with like glucose monitoring and lower sugar, lower carbs, but like not in an aggressive or annoying way, in my opinion. Um, but the whole thing is for non-diabetics, so it's like, you know, just make you healthier, all this stuff. So I wanted to bring out, because uh, this is one of my favorite uh, low-carb and high-protein brands that we carry in the store. You've seen Julie on the show a few times. This is Dojoy. And I'm bringing this up because the Dojoy line has, excuse me, the Dojoy line has changed pretty dramatically since she was last on the show. They've got, like, multiple different breads. They've reformulated the bread. Like, I thought it was good before, but now, in my opinion, it is, like, completely indistinguishable from, quote, real bread. I mean, it is real bread. Uh, but I was really excited because she just came out with a line of, like, bakery rolls. Uh, so think like the King's Hawaiian roll, obviously less sweet because there's no sugar. But the reason I bring this up, uh, as they put it here, 13 mo times more fiber, two times more protein, 60% fewer calories. But like one of these little fat rolls, 80 calories. It's really dense. But the crazy note here, 20 grams of fiber per roll and 12 grams of protein. Uh, kind of cool. So it definitely fit the vibe. And I was like, okay, I'm going to snack on some of these. If you haven't tried them, I would definitely recommend it. If that's something that's like in your wheelhouse. I don't know. I, I'm always trying to be a better version of myself. And a lot of that comes through the things that we eat. Uh, and since I enjoy eating a lot of things, it's kind of a problem. Uh, you know, trying to be mindful of this was great. So I thought I'd give him a little shout out because I really love the new stuff. I picked up that I've been eating the rolls a lot and I also picked up her three seeded bread which is killing it right now and that's like 11 grams of fiber per slice it's insane I know how you're all eating you also need more fiber in your diet it's great anyway let's dive in and learn a little bit more here I've got a copy of Dr. Paul's book the continuous glucose monitor revolution for non-diabetics but really the most important part that I took away here lose weight look great live longer with continuous glucose monitoring now one note Dr. Paul uh, wanted me to say he'll talk about this practice in the interview itself but if you're distant and you like what he has to say, he also offers some telehealth services too. So you can look into that if you want to do it remotely as well. Uh, and on that, let's welcome to the show, Dr. Paul. Thank you very much. I'm so glad. And here, folks, I got to show you the book here right now. Sorry, this is my copy. You can't have it. But if you ask nicely, I'll let you borrow it when I'm done reading it. Well, welcome, Dr. Paul. Why don't you tell everybody, explain it like I'm five. Who are you? Why are you in my office today? So I'm a doc that has a medical practice in Dayton, and my focus is low-carb uh, metabolic health, intermittent mm -hmm. fasting, basically helping people lose weight and get healthier. <laughs> um, and I use that with continuous, I do it with continuous glucose monitors that we'll talk about. That's so cool. Well, yeah. and at first, of course, we got to give a little love to Danielle Meyer for getting us hooked up to right. you. A longtime friend of mine, huge fan. Yeah. How'd you guys meet? I, I meant to ask she you that too. She helps with my media stuff. Oh, that's really yeah. cool. She's very yeah. talented in so many Very regards. Much. So yeah. yeah, that's really cool. Well, thanks, Danielle. Yeah. We're glad we made this happen. 
Well, where do you start with this? Look, I'm, I think everybody watching along knows that I constantly think about my own weight and how to reduce it. So like, what is, what's your, what's your regular day like? So actually, let me give you a little bit of my background, if Please. that's okay, yeah. because well, yeah. I kind of got to this circuitously. So uh, I've spent 25 years in the emergency department as an emergency physician, and I still work a day a week up at the Veterans Hospital in Dayton. Um, and after seeing a lot of disease over the years that just seemed to be preventable and mm -hmm. primarily related to people being overweight and people having high blood sugar, sure. because blood sugar leads to inflammation, and that ends up causing all the problems that diabetes have, whether it be cardiac problems or strokes or kidney problems or peripheral vascular disease. So after seeing that for years and years, I decided to get out in front of it with my metabolic health practice. That's amazing. You know, one of the things, you know, as I mentioned off camera, I've had a few doctors on the show in the last year or so, and it is, and you know, I say this in a way, it should be a no kidding kind of reaction, but it's in interesting to me to see how many problems are generally preventative by taking kind of advanced care of things. Yeah. And it's wild that, look, I, and I'm not absolved from this uh, this tirade I'm on, but it, it is kind of maybe, I imagine it might be a little frustrating in your space just because so many things are things that you can just kind of get ahead of and prevent a lot of problems in your life. Yeah, a lot of disease is preventable, um, but we've been kind of led down the wrong path over the years. So I'm sure. I'm going to give you a little historical perspective. Yeah, that's absolutely. Okay. So, um, again, I'm a low-carb guy, so we're talking about low-carb. You know, you got a charcuterie department and a meat department here <laughs> and a cheese department. And so, you know, you got all kinds of low-carb and keto stuff here. Yeah. Um, but my perspective is what happened back in the 70s and 80s is we were kind of, we kind of turned from, you, you know, the traditional diet in America of, you know, eggs and meat. And we were told that was all bad now. Right. We had to avoid that to avoid cardiac disease. And we went to the food pyramid. Mid, yeah. which the foundation, of course, was carbs, was grains and breads and that type of thing. And if you look at that, that was kind of an inflection point because we went, and I'm not going to get too wonky here, but we went from... I mean, you can get a little wonky if okay. you want. I okay, mean, well, you, you pull platform, me back baby. from the I will, No, okay. I, honestly, look, I tell everybody this. I'm like, sometimes the show is just for me. You know what I mean? Okay. <laughs> well, well we, went, we went from 25% carbs in our diet um, and 50% fat and about 25% protein. And overnight, we switched that when the food pyramid came out. And we were told to eat 50% carbs. That had yeah. to be the foundation. Well, if you look at the curves in terms of the prevalence in the country of obesity and then diabetes, that's when that took off. So when we're talking about low carb, we're really just talking about the traditional American diet for hundreds of years before we were told to follow the food pyramid. Right. Yeah. It's really interesting to think about that, too, because, it, you know, again, I was raised in the era of the food pyramid, right? And so yeah. that was all we knew. And I think back sometimes to my upbringing, and, and I notice little things about how, like, I wouldn't say susceptible, right? But I watched, like, our food intake, like, the types change over time, and, like, as right. a new study would come out. But I imagine that's also another hard thing, where it's like, we're constantly adjusting to new data, right? And I imagine that's a huge thing in your field. Yeah, but a lot of the data is kind of pushed with an agenda. You know, I'll give you an example. Please. The cholesterol agenda. Oh, I love you know, this already. And, and, yeah. and pushing statins, a drug that treats cholesterol on people, the Crestors and the Lipitors. Right. And, and so, and, and I'm not saying um, cholesterol is okay. You know, I, I think, you know, we need to look at all the items that are on the table in terms of what we can address. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we kind of 
got pushed in that direction by an agenda, the low cholesterol agenda. Yeah. Um, and now I think there's some new thinking. You know, low carb is, you know, you, you, some people say, well, that's still a fad diet. But, you know, it's been around 50 years, so it's not quite a fad diet right. anymore. Yeah, it's a little more ingrained than that. Pardon, pardon the expression of grains, right? <laughs> uh, no, you know, you mentioned the cholesterol thing. And I just remember one day, suddenly eggs were off the table. Yeah. And I love eggs. And I, and I was... You know, for everything, I've always been under the impression for pretty much everything, dietarily speaking, is moderation, 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 yeah. right? Like these things, nothing is inherently evil per se, but like, yeah, listen, if my diet is 100% cheese, I probably need to go back to the drawing board. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, moderation and, in all things. Yeah. And so that's when I look at prescribing low-carb diets for people. We, we don't, you know, the, the gradations, and I don't know, you know, if you're familiar with, but, you know, it's like, oh, keto, that's like really aggressive low-carb. You know, mm -hmm. that's like 20, the, the numbers are 20 grams of carbs or less a day. I, I tell people, you know, let's just moderate. You're probably eating 300 grams of carbs a day. Let's get it down to 50 or 75 or sure. 100. You can still enjoy yourself. You know, yeah. you can have a lot of the stuff that's out here in the store, yeah. you know, but let's just keep it in moderation. I love that too. And I think that's a really healthy, I mean, you know, again, I'm, I'm no expert, but it feels like that's a healthy way to view diet, dieting in general, right? And considering what we're intaking, you know, when you bring up the thing about like the Lipitors and some of the, the agenda behind it too, there's also this big thing that I always get stuck in. And one of the things that I've been happy about making at least enough correct choices thus far to not have to be in a, a very serious, you know, like, Hey, everything's shutting down, Mark, you got to change everything moment. But, um, thinking about how I was not, I was more, I'm very much of the opinion, like, again, if I change certain dietary habits, I won't have to worry about some of these things here. And I, I'm concerned, this is where I get on my soapbox for a second. Societally speaking, I worry that we are a people of easy outs for things. Yeah. And, you know, to me, what you're suggesting also sounds easy. It's just like a different kind but like the idea of being like, yeah, just take this pill instead, right? Like we kind of right. hit that point at some point. I feel like that's a dangerous thing. Well, we can, and we're on the precipice of that again with the new weight loss medications right. that you What's have probably heard about. Right? Yeah. yeah, so we can we it's can. It's terrifying to me. People all the time they're like, yeah. do you think about taking it? I'm like, no, dude. What the problem I have is I need to get over this serious thing and adjust it from a different perspective rather than. Yeah, if I just take the shot, I'll lose 60 pounds. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. I can't imagine that's sustainable long term. Yeah, not to mention, yeah. I, I'm very much the type of like, what are those? You know, I'm, I've worked in enough commercials and read enough of that copy of the side effects may include. Yeah. That terrifies me. The yeah. idea that that's the thing. I'm like, yeah, you might solve one problem, but I might have 10 more leaks right. appear. So again, if those medicines are going to be used as I use them in my practice in moderation and all things, right. low doses, limited amounts, sure. if you really need them, but let's do the lifestyle things you need to do first. Absolutely. And that's really what my practice has consisted of for the last that's seven beautiful. years. What, and it's a, again, it's like that holistic approach. And I think we're, I feel like generally speaking, people are starting to come around to that a little bit more now too, where they're like, oh, there's like other, oh, you mean if I just, if I put a couple apples in my diet that might shift the scale. I mean, it's, yeah. I mean, I'm obviously, you know, minimalizing it for the sake of the, of the easy answer, but I, it's, it's a noble cause too. I really appreciate it. I'm glad we but, got to do this. You know, actually. that's what I'm doing. I'll be honest with you. That's why I'm doing this. It's yeah. like, you know, I'm kind of at the end of my career, but this has been a lot of fun and I've had a lot of patience and, you know, I don't want to sound trite about it, but it's like, you, you know, their lives get redirected and they get healthier and they get to do things that they couldn't do before. And so it's a lot of fun for me at this stage of the game. Oh my 
gosh, I bet. And is that what drove you to write the book in the first place? Yeah. So what happened was, you know, I moved from the emergency department and opened a metabolic health practice. Um, and after researching it over a period of years, I believe, you know, low carb is the way to go. So can we talk a little bit about the reason people should, should consider low carb? Oh, I would love uh, that. Yeah. And again, it's the insulin resistance thing. Sure. Have you heard that term? I've heard the term and yeah. I, I know very little about it, you know? Okay. So if I can explain what insulin resistance is, what, what happens is, and when this diet changed in America and we eat, began eating more, more carbs, what happened was our blood sugar started to rise. Okay. And when your blood sugar goes up, the pancreas, the sweetbread right here, mm -hmm. releases insulin. So far, so good. That insulin is supposed to drive that blood glucose into your organs. And when you think organs, think muscles, sure. um, because muscles need energy to contract. Um, but if the blood sugar stays so high, too high for a period of time, mm -hmm. the pancreas keeps kicking out the insulin. But after a while, those muscles say, hey, we got all the energy we need here. We have plenty of glucose. We have plenty of stored glucose. We don't need any more blood sugar. Right. We aren't going to listen to you anymore, insulin. We aren't going <laughs> to listen to you anymore. And that's what insulin resistance is. Okay. The organs are resisting the, ins the signal from insulin. So what happens with that high blood glucose? Well, it's got to go some way because if it just kept rising, that would kill us. So it goes to the liver and it gets converted to fat. And then it yeah. gets deposited around the middle. You've heard the term fatty liver maybe? Yeah. So that's how people get fatty liver. So it's not intuitive. It's from blood glucose riding, rising and get converted to fat. So it's not fat that causes fatty liver disease. Yeah. It's actually elevated blood glucose for a period of time. So what I do with my patients is try and reverse that process. Yeah. And the way we reverse it is we just try and bring that blood glucose down with the continuous glucose monitors, low-carb diet. We'll talk about that. And then after a while, what happens is those organs, they don't see as much blood glucose around. And they're, they're saying, hey, come on, insulin. Now we need more right. blood glucose. <laughs> so the insulin resistance is getting converted to insulin sensitivity. And that blood glucose is getting sucked back up into the organs. Wow. But after a while, maybe there's not enough blood glucose around. This patient has done maybe a good job on their low-carb diet. Mm -hmm. um, and so all of a sudden, those muscles start looking around for another source of energy. And it's like, hey, we need energy here. Where are we going to get that? And then they look down here. Got those and fat they stores. Say, see the fat stores. <laughs> exactly. Um, and the fatty acids around the middle start getting broken down to supply energy. And that's when people lose weight and their metabolic health gets a lot better. Um, the analogy I use, which is really simple and it helps me remember um, how to approach this, is the bear. The bear that's getting ready for winter. So yeah. it is out forging on berries and it is getting all those carbs in, roots, and it's fattening up. So it fattens up and then it goes and hibernates. So, you know, again, the blood glucose gets converted to fat, lays down a lot of fat, then it goes hibernate, goes and hibernates, and it lives off that fatty acid for six months. Well, we, we don't do that, right. okay? Um, we, but I would love to, by the way, if anyone's out there, I could use a few months hibernation. <laughs> That's a, yeah, you're right. We would all love that, I know, wouldn't right? we? Yeah. I'll finally so, get my reading done. There you go. There you go. Um, and then what happens is the bear comes out in the spring and it's, you know, lost a lot of weight. So we're just on a mini scale trying to reproduce that for our patients. So we do it with low carb diets. 
we do it with some intermittent fasting. Sure. And, and, you know, I'm not talking about crazy fasting. You don't have to fast for three days. Right. Most of my patients start, you know, it's like, have you fasted before? No. Okay, well, let's try 12 hours overnight to start. Yeah. And then maybe we'll push it to 14 or 16. Most of my patients are just on 16 hours of fasting or so. Yeah. And that, and that lowers. seems pretty common these days. It, like, it like an eight-hour yeah. eating window seems yeah. like. Perfect. Yeah, it seems like a yeah. good window. Yeah. Um, two meals a day, a lot of people, that's what I do myself. You know, yeah. I, I push my first meal till late in the morning, early afternoon, and then have dinner with my family. So, you, you know, that's a great plan. Go ahead. Uh, before I go too far on that, I, I've always been curious about this, or at least to get more information, because I always feel like it's conflicting. Uh, but, you know, you mentioned the two meals a day thing. And I know sometimes people will be like, well, for the sake of your metabolic state, you might want to have four small, tiny ones throughout the day. Is there any... I wouldn't, maybe validity is not the right word, but is there any validity to so that? Or do you think that, Yeah, you know? you're going to get my opinion on I, And this. that's what okay. I would like. Yeah, exactly. Okay, and I got to be careful here because I course, know I'm not. a jungle gyms okay. right now, okay? <laughs> um, but but um, I, I think that the four meals <laughs> a day doesn't have a, a good scientific basis. Okay. And if you think about it, I mean, think about our history. Yeah. It's like what, what happened in, in um, you know, the times of the caveman. Well, it's like you'd go out and you'd kill a woolly mammoth and you would feast. But then maybe the hunt wasn't so good for two or three weeks and you would fast. Yeah. Same thing in terms of agriculture. You know, you would have maybe a great year. Sure. And then you might have a famine for a year. And so, you know, the natural state, I think, for us is, is to intermittent fast. So I think it's a good complement to a low-carb diet. That makes perfect sense to me, yeah. too. And I was kind of, you know, I feel like I'm always so back and forth. And then anytime I ever make the mistake of saying to somebody in my personal life, I'm like, you know, I'm trying to lose a few pounds right now. They're like, oh, well, have you eaten? Eating something once an hour, I'm like, I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's necessarily the move, you know, yeah. and because I, I I had had some success in the past with the intermittent fasting, it's one yeah. of those like when I remember to stay on it, it's yeah, it seems like it works really well, and it does seem to me, you know, for me, I notice a lot of things just like mental sharpness in those moments, well, yeah. You know? That, that's a whole other place we could go with this discussion. Yeah. We'll, we'll get yeah. there. I okay. have a feeling. <laughs> All right. Let's come back to that. Yeah, please. Okay? Of course. Yeah. So I, I just think um, that, that intermittent fasting is a good complement to a low-carb approach. Yeah. And then the third component that I really stress, which might surprise people a little bit, is strength training. Mm. So uh, this is going to come back to the physiology. Yeah. If you can build your muscle size a little bit, mm -hmm. then you increase the quality and the receptivity of the insulin receptors on your muscles that we were just talking about. Right. They soak up more insulin, soak up more blood glucose. That helps moderate your blood glucose as well. So kind of the third leg of the stool is, yeah. is strength training. And I actually... I admit it, I do TikToks, okay? Good. I do TikToks. Welcome to the family. <laughs> I fought it for years, and eventually it was like, oh, I love this, actually. So it, it was fun, but the, the the one TikTok I did that got the most views, like over a million views, was get off the gosh darn expletive cardio machines. Right. And, it, and it wasn't mean, it didn't mean don't do your cardiac work sure. at all, but, you know, focus on strength training, especially for middle-aged in older people, we're losing 7% of our muscle mass every decade to begin with. Yeah. So let's go ahead and focus on building strength, and that will help you with your insulin resistance. And that's another aspect of being in the emergency department. I see a lot of people that have had falls, and it's just because they don't have the leg strength to hold themselves sure. up. And so, you know, you know, keep up with your strength training. 
you know, the old joke is include your lower extremities. I don't know if you've heard the joke. It's it's don't skip leg day. Yeah, of course. <laughs> you know, don't skip leg day. And, yeah, and that's, that's the so foundation. True. It's like that it work is. up to the core. I mean, yeah, I, I feel like there is a lot of I, I hate to use the term misinformation because obviously I'm no expert. But from my my opinion, being that it is there has been misinformation on like what the best move is. And I felt like for so long, traditional people like not traditional people, but like if you weren't speaking to somebody that was like a strength trainer, right? They were just like hit the treadmill for an hour and call it a day. And yeah. then when I started working, this was years ago when I was in college, I worked with a bunch of fit, functional fitness instructors oh, yeah. Yeah. and that changed my view on all of it where I was almost to the point of, well, I am kind of with that. I was like, oh no, skip the cardio in the traditional sense yeah. and go hit the weights instead. And there's so many, so many silly benefits. So look, I, I have a handicap. I don't bring it up a ton but it affects the way I walk. But I can tell you dramatically, like just my functional motor skills are improved so much by just hitting the gym a couple times a week yeah, to do a little, little, little leg training. I mean, yeah. it's silly as it is, but it's enough to be like the difference between me falling is maybe an hour in the gym. Yeah, I, th I think it's critical, you know, and especially again, as you get older, build that muscle mass in your lower body, 60% of your muscle mass is below your waist. So yeah. that's what you want to do. And, and I, and I don't say, you know, completely ignore cardiovascular fitness. They all, the American Heart Association uh, says that you need to do, you need either 90 minutes at, at about 65% of your maximum heart rate or 25 minutes, excuse me, 75 minutes at uh, about 80% of your maximum heart rate. Get that in, but you can get that in in 75 minutes a week. And then if you're working out three or four hours a week, spend the rest of the time doing your strength training. I used to do a lot. I had a, one trainer who was like, if you really hit, you know, because because of some of my handicap, like the treadmill is almost out of the equation. Some of the bikes are okay, but there are a lot of things. She's yeah. like, you know what you could do? She's like, you could just do a much more physically rigorous, lower weight regimen that would provide you some and of that cardio fine. action. And then you're kind of getting the best of both Absolutely. worlds too. That's, uh, you, you know, low weights, high reps. And that's a little bit what the high intensity interval training thing is. That oh you yeah. Hear about so and that's much. so huge now, yeah. right now. I, yeah. I feel like intervals are big right now. We've got an intermittent fasting. We've got an interval training. All kinds of intervals. But yeah. it, I mean, it makes yeah. sense. And, and you know, one of the things I'm picking up through this already, and just in the few minutes we've already been talking is that there is sort of this, you know, it's like society, technology, the comforts of life changed. But at the end of the day, we are kind of still the animals we always were in a physical sense in a lot of regards, right? Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and I'm sure some of that has changed, obviously. But like at the same time, I think maybe we were too quick to lean into like, oh, couches are cool versus going, hey, listen, like you said, hey, when we used to do a hunt. You'd eat that one big meal. And then, yeah, it might be another couple of days before you had something good in yeah. there again. So make that. Yeah. It's yeah. eye-opening already. And, We're and, not even 20 minutes in. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. I'm, I'm having as much fun as you good, are. Good, I'm okay. um, You know, and if you look at that, well, one thing I mentioned to some of my patients is if you look back, you know, it, it hasn't been that long over this period of time you're talking mm -hmm. about these, these changes. If you look back at a movie or a photograph from the 40s or 50s, you don't see the degree of overweight people then, sure. than we do that we have today. Yeah. So, you know, I, again, think this kind of approach is really just getting back to traditionally what we've done for a long period of time. Uh, it's, it makes yeah. a lot of sense. And, you know, I got to say on the now that I am surrounded by food all the time, one of the things that's really refreshing to me is I am seeing this slight movement towards 
maybe moving away from a lot of the process stuff, which I think yeah. that's obviously another trapping of modern society versus right. like, right. I mean, hell, even my parents really didn't see as much of that as we're seeing, for Absolutely. example. So I imagine that's probably contributed somewhat negatively to the American diet overall. It, the whole thing's fascinating. Oh, gosh, I seriously could sit here and just pick your brain for 12 hours. Well, <laughs> so so since you mentioned that, yeah. let, let, let's talk about that. You know, processed food versus not processed food. You know, I walked through your store, you know, took me a long time, but I walked through your <laughs> store today. <laughs> Got the full tour today. Uh, and, and I guess full disclosure, I misplaced this on my calendar, so I've been embarrassed and apologizing to Paul the whole time since I met him. <laughs> yeah, we're all good. Um, but, you know, I, I see the produce. I, I see the yeah. meat department, you know, the fish that's available. Oh, yeah. So one of the things is a simple guide that I tell my patients is ju just eat whole food. Eat as much whole food as you can, you know, a little bit you know, the, the different, different from processed food, but eat whole food. And one of the, one of the keys I tell them is, you know, look at the ingredients and an example I'll give you is steak. Yeah. Steak just has steak on it. Right. It doesn't have a list of ingredients. That big pro produce department you have, you know, there's not a lot of ingredients. You, yeah. you, you know, broccoli is broccoli. Exactly. Cauliflower is cauliflower. Both low-carb vegetables, by the way. Um, but, but, you know, just eat whole foods. If you eat whole foods, you're going to be fine. Yeah, that, that's brilliant. Yeah. You know, on the low carbon, since you mentioned those vegetables too, are there any fruits either that we should be definitely avoiding in this journey yeah. or at least minimalizing maybe? Or, or are there certain ones that we should be focusing on? Because I feel like that's a question I just get asked every time yeah. I talk about trying to diet anyway. It, it's a good question. Um, and again, I'm going to tread lightly here because I realize where I am. But, <laughs> you know, mom told us to eat all our fruits and vegetables. Yeah. But, you know, fruits are a little bit different now than they were 50 years ago. Because they're a little bit more engineered, they're they're meant to have more fructose, mm -hmm. um, which is the term is diabetogenic. You know, can cause a, an increased rate of diabetes. Okay, um, and so you got to be careful with your fruits. But the go-to fruits that are higher in fiber and lower in sugar are the berries. Okay, strawberries blueberries, raspberries, blackberries. And that's what I tell my patients to do, you know, for, for their fruits. You got to be careful with some of the other, you know, fruits. Sure. Yeah. I'm actually surprised strawberry made the list. I was like, in yeah. my head, I was like, yeah. this one feels too delicious to make yeah, the I list. know, I know, but it's, that that's the list. The berries are the best. Okay, that's great news yeah. too. And that makes sense. And I'm sure I see it often a lot in like things around this where they're like, oh, make a little berry smoothie or something like that. Using yeah. again, just the whole fruits, but yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Just watch the extra sugar in there. Yeah, of course. Yeah. It's like, yeah. and you know, I, I'm also sort of hoping that through attention to diets like this, this might help change the American palate overall, which I think I tend to find runs way sweet these days anyway. Absolutely. And I'm yeah. sure it's like that cyclical thing, like which came first, right? Are we, did we start engineering the fruit to have higher fructose content yeah. because we thought it would be better for them? Or is it because we wanted something sweeter? I, you know, I, where does I, it start? Where does it end? Yeah. Um, I'm very curious about that. You know, and, yeah. al and along those lines too, something, is there something that you see, because I don't know how deep you dive in on the each patient's specific nutrition. Yeah. But like, is there some, are there any, how should I say, uh, just certain products that you see come up more frequently than the others that you tend to notice that are showing up in our diets that are maybe problematic in this regard? Well, you know, I, I think convenience is a big part of oh, it. You, you know, fast sense. food is a big part of it and yeah. just convenience. And I understand people are busy, you know, yeah. they're working, they're trying to take care of their kids, they're trying to get a workout in here and there. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I think it's just the convenience foods. And the patients that I have 
that do the best are people that think about it at the beginning of the week and do a little bit of food prepping. Yeah. You know, we're going to focus on limiting our carbs on a daily basis, and I'm going to prep foods that really get me to that end. That's brilliant, too. Yeah. Gosh, I love this. I, I'm sitting here, I, I'm doing that awkward thing as I'm like thinking to myself, it's like, oh, is this how I change my life? You know, today, I, you know, I've, do I've, I have to thank Danielle for that too. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> we all should thank Danielle for a lot. So that's so amazing. You know, but, but, uh, can I describe to you kind of what I do when I bring patients I in and how we that. talk about yeah. that? Okay. Because I have a feeling I might be one of those for you okay. one of these days now. Right. <laughs> um, so the first thing I do is I, I bring people in, you know, first of all, I have got a select population. It's mm -hmm. usually middle-aged older people sure. come to me, you know, people that are, you know, got a body fat of 10% or in the gym five times a week are generally not the person that gravitates sure. toward me. <laughs> it's really people that I can help. The, a yeah. lot of people have something called metabolic syndrome, okay. which, which is a combination of being overweight, increased abdominal girth, mm -hmm. high blood pressure, high cholesterol, sure, um, high, and uh, and some other metabolic health problems, fatty liver disease, sleep apnea, that kind of stuff. Sure. So people come to me, and the first thing we do is we just sit down and talk, and we talk about their medical history. We talk about their family history because mm -hmm. if you know you got diabetes in your family, for example, yeah. then then we that's going to increase some concern over some potential outcomes. Um, and then I put a continuous glucose monitor on them, okay. and I say, don't change your diet for two weeks. Where, let's see where you live in terms yeah. of what's going on with your blood sugar. And they get 24-7 readings of their blood sugar. I can also look at those remotely. So, you know, <laughs> I don't want it to be too scary, but, you know, no. Big Brother can be watching. Of course. A lot of people actually like that accountability that somebody's yeah. keeping an eye on. Them. I I, yeah. for, I think it's one of those things that's a little underrated in this that I think for yeah. a lot of us, we could use just another set of eyes, you yeah. know. And it's not like if somebody goes out to dinner, they get, you know, I'm texting them. But, but it, you know, if, but if they're coming off the rails over four or five days, you know, yeah, it, you they're, okay. they're going to maybe okay. get a little reminder of what's going on here. Yeah. Um, the other thing I do, which I think is absolutely critical, and I hope your audience gets this message and talks to their doc about this, is a fasting insulin level. You probably have not heard of that before, no. have you? So we're measuring that insulin that the pancreas is, is uh, producing. And, you know, we're so focused in this country on cholesterol when the other reason for inflammation of the arteries, this vascular inflammation that drove me from the emergency department into this practice, yeah. um, is high blood sugar. Blood sugar attaches to the linings of the arteries and causes inflammation. And that's why people that are diabetic have those different vascular problems that yeah. we talked about. So I do a fasting insulin level on people and we can calculate an exact level of insulin resistance based on their fasting insulin level. And based on two weeks of continuous glucose monitor data, mm -hmm and a fasting insulin level, we can find out exactly where they are and then we can go ahead and put a program together for them with those components we talked about, low carb, intermittent fasting, strength training that will help them meet their goals. That's so cool. Yeah. What a well-rounded and cool approach to this. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's just, it's, it's really just, I mean, it's basic physiology. It's really just bringing us back to really, I think, eating how we should be eating and being a little bit more active, of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, that's always a huge part. And, it, you know, you, you made a lot of great points about the convenience thing. And I think about one of the struggles I've personally run into is that, like, especially post-COVID, the option to eat healthy after a certain time of day is very difficult, especially if yeah. you're on the go in particular, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, if, yeah, I, I, if I prepped... Yeah. I'm good to go, right? And right. I go home and like, all right, yeah. got a little chicken, got a little veggies. Yeah. But if not, and it's 
I mean, and these days it's like after eight o'clock, you're like, good luck. Yeah. You know, it's either yeah. hit the grocery store and then I work in one. So you can imagine I'm trying not to spend yeah. more time than I have to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can understand. But no, it's okay. a really, but it's a really good point. And yeah. it's, it, again, I know I'm sitting here having that thought with myself. I'm like, oh, a lot of these things are just so simple and obvious in a lot of regards, but we're just not doing them. We need someone like you. We need that accountability from you. Yeah, you know, so, yeah, I, I mean, need those texts every five yeah, days. It's, so, um, <laughs> The reason, one of the reasons this practice is working out so well is because, and, and I'm, I'm not being negative about the primary care docs in their office, of course. but I'm going to talk about medicine here for a second. Yeah. When, when I got out of training, you know, 35 years ago, um, there were a lot of docs that were still in their own small private practices or small group practices. Sure. Um, and, and now, and, and again, I realize it's just the way American medicine has evolved, but they're, they're often now employed um, by, um, you know, either large health systems or sometimes, you know, the big bad private equity guys, sure. you know, um, and so they're, they're, schedule is regimented you, you know you know how it is you go in you got 20 minutes you might only see the doc for once or twice a year right. it's a limited period of time they've been relegated and they don't like it again i got a lot of friends that are primary care docs um they've been relegated at times to disease management which is how are we going to manage your hypertension what are we going to do about your blood sugar oh do we need now to add this medicine now for your cholesterol as opposed to getting to the root cause of the issue. Right. And so I, I compliment really what they're doing. Um, it, yeah. It's really just, I'm not replacing them. You know, they provide a great service, but I'm trying to compliment what they do so that we can get at the root cause of the issues. And quite honestly, they love it when I help a patient and they can take them off their blood pressure medicine. Of course. You know, or their cholesterol is down now. Yeah, because I would imagine mm -hmm. even those, again, we're all kind of at the mercy of this like 24-7 kind of grind mindset, right? Yeah. So I imagine for them too, because I would guess that most people get into their careers because of a passion they have to, right. you know, especially in your field, right? Like yeah. you have a passion to help people and do right by them, right? And I would imagine even those people in those kinds of practices are probably in the same place. But yeah. like you said, they're running they're into a different, right? They're yeah. absolutely restricted. And they're like, what is the best thing I can do for this person as quickly as possible? Right. I can't dive into it the way I want to. I, I totally understand. And hearing it this way is really eye-opening. They're they're doing everything they can for their patients. At times, also referring them to me. Yeah, so, which is great. Yeah. Because, you know, again, it's a fast casual. You know, there's, there's a place for it. Yeah. But I, I think... Uh, the thing I keep coming back around to really is just that, yeah, a little extra preventative care in a few spaces yeah. could be enough. And I think we just don't think often enough about how what we're intaking. Right. We're looking at, I, you know, maybe we're looking at it too frequently as a source of enjoyment rather than a source of fuel and that based right. on necessity. Yeah, yeah. Um, I touched on this disease reversal process yeah. in terms of, you know, bringing, being able to bring down blood pressure or bring down cholesterol. One thing um, that I work with a lot of patients on is reversing prediabetes. Sure. So um, a lot of time, unfortunately, we've kind of accepted prediabetes in this country as well. You know, yeah, you're prediabetic. We'll we'll keep an eye on that for a while. Right. In my mind, if you're prediabetic, lights and sirens should be going off. Sure. Because you can reverse prediabetes completely yeah. and avoid ever progressing to diabetes. Now, once you're diabetic, it's very hard to reverse diabetes. And so I don't even think 
diabetes is reversible completely. You're still going to have some insulin resistance. Sure. Though I've worked with a lot of patients, we've been able to lower their insulin dosages and get them off medicines. But I, one message I wanted to get out was for people to understand that if you're pre-diabetic, you can reverse pre-diabetes so that you never become diabetic. But you got to get busy with these things that we talked about. Yeah. Yeah. I already said, I, I, I feel so bad because I'm just sitting here going like, all right, I've updated my personal checklist to all the things I need to be doing that I haven't been taking care of properly. These are general comments that I make. No, okay. I know. I love it. No, no. And I know it, you're, it, you're doing a great job of it. I'm just doing that thing that I should have done. Look, I love getting on my soapbox here every so often, but a lot of times I get on the soapbox because I need to hear it as well. You know, okay, good. When, when I say everyone, I'm including myself as part of the problem. And uh, no, this is really, it's one of those things where I'm like, I'm really glad we had this because, you know, it's, it's that time of year, right? You know, it's beginning yeah, it's of the, the year. We're year. all thinking about it. And I try, yeah. I'm definitely one of those. I'm like, I don't do resolutions. I just try to be better all the time. But yeah. then sometimes it's difficult to do. Yeah. And then you, the start you of the new stuff. year is always an opportunity. Yeah, it's a yeah. little refresher, a little yeah. restart yeah. on it. Oh, yeah. This is going to be amazing. Can I, uh, can I show you how this thing works? Yeah, I was so excited okay. about this. So, right. yeah. And so for so, those of you listening to the audio version, I should be very clear right now. This is a constant glucose monitor, right? Correct. Okay. Yeah. So continuous glucose monitors were originally developed for diabetics to help dose their insulin. Okay. Um, and they're very effective in that regard. You don't have to finger prick yourself three mm -hmm. times a day then. You get a 24-7 reading. So these are the devices you see on the back of people's arms. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you know, and basically you just scan them with your phone and... And they will tell you what your sugar is at the moment and then give you a readout of where your sugar's been for the last 24 hours. Oh, wow. So I use them in non-diabetics and pre-diabetics because a lot of people have insulin resistance going well before they're even pre-diabetic. Sure. Um, so again, people come into the office. We go ahead and put a little antiseptic on their arm. We love a swab. Yeah. And then, uh, and then you just go ahead and apply this and it'll okay. stay for two weeks. Now, does it prick the skin? Yeah. Okay. Oh, I'm having difficulty with this one for some reason. Don't do this. Once the camera's me. on, that's how it well, always goes. There, there we, go. we go. Okay. And then you wear that for okay. a couple weeks, and it gives you 24-7 readings. Cool. So this is this is what the graphs look like, and I, and I bought a few of various patients. So... If you're trying to keep your blood sugar low, and again, we're trying to do that because mm -hmm. we want to burn fat yeah. as opposed to blood glucose. Right. And, and I don't know if your audience can see this, but this is a low flat curve. Somebody that's keeping their blood glucose, you know, in the hundred range over yeah. the course of the day. But uh, and I, before you go too far, so is that a good range? To that's be a in? good range okay. to be in. Yeah. So and again, um, you, you want to keep your blood sugar low. You, you get in the 60s, it's a little bit low, but anywhere between 70 and 100 is a good range where okay. you're going to be burning fat. So the reason the CGMs, I think, are very valuable is because if somebody sees that they did something like this. Oh, yeah, and have a huge peak like that. Yeah. yeah. And, and you can correlate it specifically with whatever food you had. Interesting, and and yeah. the response is somewhat individualized, huh, cool. um, meaning that what affects me one way might affect you differently. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and this is actually one of my curves that I'll share, oh, which cool. is I did well during the day, but then I had a little bit of an indiscretion in the evening, as you can <laughs> see. And I know, you know, what that was. And now I can avoid that in the future. Yeah. Um, and again, you, you know, the patients follow this along and they self-correct. But the doc can also look at it and know what's going on sure, with the patient as well. Oh, that's really yeah. cool. Yeah. That's amazing. 
And so it's like, and it's crazy to me to think that like, yeah, you could sit there and go, oh, I know exactly. I had three bites of ice cream. That's what that pipe spike you is, right? Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. One thing I will mention though is once in a while you'll see a spike when people are exercising. So you, you see a whole physiological oh, response. So the reason for that is it's kind of a fight or flight phenomenon. Okay. In that when you're exercising, your adrenaline goes up, your cortisol goes up a little bit, and that's going to go ahead and squeeze out an extra little bit of blood glucose in your system, stored blood glucose called glycogen. Okay. So you'll see a little rise sometime when you're exercising. But other than that, it's pretty much dietary based. That's beautiful. Yeah. It's crazy to think that, you know, again, I know I keep saying this, but I just, it's just so funny to hear it put in perspective a little bit where you're like, yeah, again, so much of this is controlled by just simple things like yeah. diet. Yeah. Like, hey, maybe skip the soda and have a water instead. Right. Yeah. You know, you know the thing I like about low carb is that, uh, and I tell my patients this, um, and this is my perspective is that you know, for years we've been told, well, you just got to restrict your calories. Right. You know, you just got to take in fewer calories. Yeah. It's called the energy balance model of losing weight. You right. know, you basically take in less than you expend. Right. Well, I think it's a lot more complicated than that. Sure. It's a hormonal system. Um, and that's why I think low carb, lowering insulin resistance is a better approach. Yeah. And the other thing with, with the lower carb approach is you can always eat something. With calorie restriction, that's not the case. You sure. know, you got to limit your calories, and when you hit that limit, you got to you can't eat anymore. Yeah. But all my patients, I always tell them they can always eat something. Now it might not be a carb. Yeah. You know, you might not be able to have you know a potato tonight, but you know what, you can have some steak, yeah. um, or some lettuce, you know, nuts or something like that. Exactly, exactly. Um, and then we have those outs for you know people. Uh, I need something sweet. It's like okay, try some dark chocolate. You can have some chocolate, yeah. you know, but have some dark chocolate, you know, 65%, 70% cocoa right. and do it in moderation. And then you get that sweet tooth satisfied. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. And, and, you know, something I think about my previous dietary successes too, is that in my experience, at least, I always found that my palate did change over time that you're like, oh. you crave it less. You'll, you'll grow a pretty, you know, it's, I have a bad sweet tooth. Right. Yeah. And so knowing that it's like, oh, you could, you know, if, if you adhere to this and it's not even that long of a time, I remember, I remember like a couple weeks and being like, hmm, yeah, I didn't think about dessert tonight. You no, know, it, you, you, it's a lot. Low carb is a, you know, I, I don't want it to seem like it's some kind of cult, but, but it's a lifestyle <laughs> change, you know, but if it, you are starting a cult, I'd yeah. like to join for at least a little bit. Uh, no, I'm sorry, but yeah. you were saying it's a lifestyle change. Yeah. It, it's, it's basically a lifestyle change and, and people go back, you know, the, 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 the curves help because if you eat a pizza pizza or a donut and you see that, as my patients say, you can't unsee it. Right. You know that that is what's going to happen to you long term. Yeah. Um, and so basically you modify your own behavior and you don't want a lot of those foods. So it's it's much easier. Hey, can we go back to the brain issue? I would love to go back to the brain okay. issue. I'm excited about so that too. So this, this is a big topic recently. And let me give you the foundation for it. Um, and it is... Low carb, some people push this into keto and they believe that it solves a lot of the mental clarity issues that some people have. Sure. Now, the foundation for this is this. Ever before there were ever anti-seizure medicines, I'll let you know where I'm going with right. this. Okay. Um, <laughs> the only way to treat seizures, we're talking about back in the 20s and 30s, there were no medicines around to treat seizures. So kids with seizures, pediatric seizures, were treated with keto diets, oh, low carb diets. They were the only thing that would lessen 
the number of seizures that the kids would have. Now, you know, in recent years, we have, you know, medicines, though there were still some major pediatric medical centers that advocate keto diets in addition to the medication that yeah. kids are on for kids that have bad seizures. Well, there's, there's been this whole movement in the last three or four years about ketosis being good for the brain in general, right. helping with the mental clarity. There's even a psychiatrist, a Harvard-trained psychiatrist called Chris Palmer. He's got a book out, Brain Energy, if you want to check it out, um, that, that says that ketosis can be helpful in not only mental clarity, but maybe even help with some depression, um, anxiety, um, even some bipolar problems. Now, you know, that that's not studied thoroughly. It's kind of sure. out on the edge there. At least um, for now. Who knows in 20 years, though, yeah, right? Yeah. It's, you know, yeah. I think occasionally we need to, and I'm sure there is research going on, but I do think that these little things that come up on the fringes, there's probably a little bit, maybe a touch of validity to it, yeah. and then we should why not find out, right? What's well, the worst yeah. that happens? We're like, oh, I was yeah. wrong on that one. Well, you know? that, and that's the way medicine is, and it takes yeah. forever for medicine to adapt. I mean, I'll give you an example of that. You know, peptic ulcer disease, ulcers in the stomach, you yeah. know, 30 years ago, it was just, oh, it's just too much caffeine, too much alcohol, right. too spicy a food. Yeah. And then we found out most peptic ulcer disease is related to an infection. So, uh, yeah, so it's a huge and, change. And now you treat it with antibiotics. And that's why, you know, when I was going through training, I was in surgeries where we were cutting out part of people's stomach. And we don't do that anymore. Right. So because we know how to treat those that problem effectively. It's crazy to hear that even yeah. in your own career, you've watched it change that dramatically. Yeah. yeah. And that's good, for I think, for all of us to keep in mind, too. Yeah. Now, there is a little bit of what I like about what you've been telling me so far, too, Paul, is that like, You've got this nice foundation of based on who we were historically as just humans long scale while taking modern trappings and like applying this combination therein to say like, hey, some of these things really work. And here's a couple of ways to facilitate I'm, I'm fat. I've been fascinated the entire time. Yeah. Good, good. Before we finish up, can we talk about uh, the what is a mania these days with the weight loss medications? Oh, yeah. Okay. I am very I'm. So excited because I'm going to just send this clip to anyone that tells me to take a Zempic. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Well, that's not a medical professional to be very clear. Let let, let me give you my, my uh, moderate thoughts on this. Okay. Um, First of all, let's talk about um, how these medicines were developed. They were first developed for diabetics Mm -hmm. and it was found that they lowered blood sugar, but they didn't cause really low blood sugar. And the manufacturers, the pharmaceutical companies noticed that those patients lost weight. Well, then, like any good pharmaceutical company would do, they went back and did studies on non-diabetics, and blood sugars did not go too low, Mm -hmm. and the patients lost weight. So, subsequently, they got marketed as weight loss drugs. So, Ozembic is for diabetes. Have you heard Wigovi? Yes, that's the other one I keep seeing ads for now. Wigovi is the same, exact same medicine, Mm -hmm. and it is for just weight loss. You don't have to be diabetic. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there is a generic compounded medicine called semaglutide that we use in some patients because if you don't have insurance coverage for these medicines they're very very expensive yeah and then there's an analogous monjuro is for diabetics um there's a new one you're going to hear if you haven't heard much about it yet you're going to hear more about it it's called Zepbound, okay and it's the monjuro derivative and then there is a compounded generic for that as well so uh, how these medicines work is uh, they slow gastric emptying, and that's a fancy way of saying your stomach stays fuller longer. Oh, okay. 
Okay, and then they also low, lower blood sugar, like we talked about, so you're burning more fat. And then the third thing they do is they do have an effect right in the brain, the hypothalamus, which is the hunger center of the brain, mm-hmm. so they decrease hunger. Now, the problem with these medicines, the biggest problem is if you stop taking the medicine, you will have weight regain. You know, 60, 70% of the weight you lost, right. um, which means in my mind, you, you should not go and just look to take a medicine. You really need to do this as part of a program, you know, preferably being a program like we've been talking about. Yeah. Um, but you got to be careful if you start these medicines, because if you just go and are looking for a shot, you could become dependent for a lifetime on these medicines. Right. Um, the other thing that's going on with these medicines is they cause a loss of muscle mass. So we've been talking about strength right. training, um, and um, they will cause a loss of muscle mass. And again, as you're getting older, you're already losing that muscle mass as you age. So you got to be doing some strength training while you're on it. Sure. So I know I don't want to be too much of an advocate of the medications, but I do think at times they have their place. Sure. But in lower doses so that you don't become dependent on them and for limited periods of time to get a jump start or maybe to work through a plateau and weight loss. But the goal always needs to be when you start, if you start these medicines, the goal needs to be what is the plan to get off these medicines? Right, yeah. Okay, and it's the lifestyle changes and the things that we've been talking about. Yeah, I feel like we should view them more. Well, you know, I always see the expression using something as a crutch, right? Yeah. And I'll always joke. I'm like, well, that's good. Crutches help people walk, right? <laughs> but the thing is, you don't want to be on crutches your whole life. Like the goal yeah. is that you want, you're using that to get, like you said, get through effectively a plateau of healing in this specific yeah. instance and move on to the next thing. Rather I'm going to use that. You please, know that? by all that's means. Great. Yeah, that's, I get, you. I get royalty on it so it works out good for me all right (laughs) well i know i always thought about that i forget where i I heard it i should have been i like i i know i heard it from somewhere else that's great a temporary crutch yeah i mean but that's it that's really the best i think about that for a lot of these things where it should be that way or we should try to view it that way so that i i I love what you're saying because yeah we don't want to be relying on that look how many i think about just i don't have too many elderly people in my life but i think about their pill cases and i think to myself Ah, that seems maddening. I don't want yeah. that in my future. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And like, I'm sure to some people, maybe it's an inevitability in certain regards, but it sounds like maybe if we just wrangle some of this stuff now, maybe it's less likely yeah. to happen. So that's one of my favorite words, um, actually coined by a friend of mine out in San Diego who does what I do in California, de-prescribing. One of his favorite things it. to do is, oh, we got that patient off their insulin. We got that patient off their high blood pressure medicine. That patient doesn't need cholesterol medicine anymore. De-prescribing yeah. is a great term. That's perfect. I, yeah. I feel like something we should ascribe to, right? Yeah, <laughs> we should. <laughs> That's great, Mark. It's like, listen, if you need yeah. marketing buzzwords, I'm your guy. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I'm really excited to read this, Paul. I think you've like, I, you know, look, if I'm just being honest and transparent as I always try to be on the show, the weight loss thing's been a struggle my whole life. And, you know, having the handicap hasn't helped because it's impeded impeded a lot of my physicality. But, like, now that I'm hearing it again, I'm like, oh, you know, I probably could just regulate this by making better dietary choices in general. Yeah. I'm incredibly excited to read the book just to dive in. Yeah, yeah, I'm trying to think. I'm like, all right, well, and then how do I sign up? No. <laughs> 
Well, since you mentioned, so my practice is in Dayton. Yeah, please. Uh, the website is metabolicsmd.com. So okay. it's, it's the word metabolic, M-E-T-A-B-O-L-I-C-M-D-S. Cool. Metabolicmds.com. Awesome. Um, I go by Dr. Colo on Twitter and on Facebook and YouTube. So you can look up my my channels there. Perfect. Um, and, uh, you know, this has been a lot of fun for me as I'm, you know, heading down the long stretch in my, uh, my career and being able to help a lot of people. I really, and that's been the nicest and most refreshing part about this. And I think, look, let me just put this out there for the audience. This is a Mark opinion real fast. I think a lot of us get scared of doctors because they occasionally deliver bad news. But uh, something I've learned as I've grown up is that if they're giving you bad news, it's your fault. <laughs> you know, I mean, you're no, just not, here. not all the time. No, Sometimes I know. Of course, have, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> but for the things I think we're really afraid, right? Like, yeah. you know, because I imagine for a lot of people, look, I, we have dedicated so much of American culture just to diet culture to a certain respect yeah. anyway. So I can't feel anything other than a lot of us are afraid to be like, Maybe I'm a little fat right now. You know what I mean? And maybe I'm professionally fat. And it's not something I wanted to be, right? So I, I, I'm always trying to, every time I get an opportunity to talk with someone like yourself, I'm doing it not just for me to learn something new and to share that information with the audience, but I'm kind of secretly also hoping, hope, hoping, uh, <laughs> hoping that it gets us over some of these little base layer fears that might prevent some of us from actually getting some of the help that we actually need. You know, need. I, I got to comment that that's a great insight. And uh, I got to say this delicately too. So the majority of my patients are women. Mm -hmm. Women seem to get it. Yeah, yeah. You know, they seem to understand that they have risks and they want to prevent those yeah. risks. Unfortunately, the guys a little bit more, it's kind of like, I, I don't, I don't want to know about that. Yeah. You know, I'll deal with it when unfortunately it might be a crisis. For sure. So, so one of my goals is to try and get more men involved in understanding these things so that they can reverse their risk before it's too late. I love that. Beautiful. Yeah. Again, well said, very noble of you too. I appreciate it. We need to hear it. You know, <laughs> sometimes it's hard to hear, but that's okay. Because, right. you know, I always look at it like this. As somebody who has spent a lot of time in hospitals throughout his whole life, you can't fit. Well, like you said, you get to crisis mode. Those are not easy to deal with. They're not no, fun to deal with. No. It's and, way easier now to have this information where you're like, hey, Mark, listen, I see you've yeah. been enjoying yourself. Yeah. But, and it's you like know? in the emergency department. I mean, I, you know, people have moments. You're fine one moment. It, it has given me a perspective of how fragile life is mm -hmm. because I see people, they're fine one moment, literally they're fine one movement. I got to tell them they have cancer the next moment, sure. you know, they're fine one movement, one moment. Now they're having a heart attack. Sure. And, and so, you know, for people to be, you know, just basically just increase your knowledge base on this stuff yeah. and knowledge is power. And if you have more of an understanding, then it'll likely motivate you to act on it. Beautifully said. Yeah. I love that so much. Uh, where is the book available? The on your website, on, obviously, right? Yeah, on, on the website, metabolicmds.com. Um, and then also on Amazon, it's the best-selling book on continuous glucose monitors on Amazon. Oh, we should have led with that so. at the beginning. That's <laughs> Congratulations. That's really cool. Yeah. And if you just, you can just go ahead on and Google continuous glucose monitors on Amazon or my name, Kaladzik or Colo will probably do it. And I'll put all the yeah. details in the notes too. Oh, so great. if you guys aren't, okay. aren't spelling along with us, I'll make sure. And here's another picture of the book so you can see that too. 
It's a good, I love it. Great shot of you on there too. You look powerful and yeah, calm. I yeah, love it's it. It's like 300 takes. I love it. Yeah, well, that's the best of those photos. <laughs> and then what's always funny is when you get the proofs back and you're like, it's kind of the same photo. Which one do I like? Well, like maybe this one. Danielle know. helped me out with it. Oh, did she really? Yeah. Oh, well, great work, Danielle. Yeah. Look at that. We're just keep applauding for her too. This is so cool. Well, I'm so glad you came right. in today, Paul. Thanks for Again, having me. I'm sorry me. about the, the schedule snafu, but I appreciate you being cool about it. I'm going to keep hating myself publicly. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Mark. It's I, been enjoyable. Yeah, I look All forward right. to having you back. I think I, I, I don't remember if we said that on air or off, but I do think it'd be fun to come back and maybe go. I'll try to curate a couple products. Sure. Just, I've been hot on all the different water variants these yeah. days. I would love to see if we can't come up with at least at least your opinion. You know what I mean? Yeah, sure. To dive in a little more uh, factual in there. Maybe it can help us drive some more interesting choices okay sounds great see you soon see you soon thank you don't you all love that you can watch a show like this and actually learn something too and it's not just me constantly cloying or not cloying but like pray, you know praying on you to buy stuff i mean i do want you to buy things but i'm hoping that you'll be like oh that was cool and informative and now i'm i'm curious about what kind of fun things so come in get some fun produce hey uh before we go too far in this too i know it's the end of the show pickle wars this weekend come out to pickle wars february 3rd it's this saturday we're doing prizes giveaways you'll see it all on social media as well uh it's gonna be a lot of fun oh i think it's at least i'll say it this way at least 11 different pickle vendors, free samples, contests. It's going to be nuts. If you came last year, it was crazy. If you came to the one that we did with Urban Artifact this July, that was also a lot of fun. We're just going to keep trying to ramp up the pickle, the pickleosity repeatedly. So shout out to AJ and Steve for putting this together. And hey, on that note, I'm out of here, okay? I'll see you all out there in the aisles. The Jungle Gyms podcast is recorded in the WJJI studio inside Jungle Gyms International Market in Fairfield, Ohio. The Jungle Gyms podcast is produced and hosted by Mark Borison.